the U.S. establishment does not like Nasser, but Kennedy himself was um, someone who thought he could work with Nasser. Uh, but there were lots of problems with this. In 1961, um, you have, by 1961, you have this United Arab Republic, which really becomes for a time the United Arab States when Yemen joins. And this was something that people forget about, that for a time, uh, they, they were united as a, as a nation state. Uh, you know, the plan was, and this was, they were formally organized this way, Egypt, Syria, and part of Yemen uh, were part of this United Arab Republic, and then they become the United Arab States when Yemen joins. And this would have been, of course, very alarming to the U.S. establishment. Um, in September of 61, though, this is broken up. This union with Syria is broken up by the military. And um, Nasser, ex Nasser believes that this is a coup for good reason. Uh, he believes that it was a CIA-related operation for good reason, because back in 1949, you have what may have been the first CIA overthrow. We say, and I typically say, I mean, this is sort of common knowledge that Iran 1953 was the first CIA coup, but really in 1949, there was a coup, and um, this it seems that the CIA, the CIA was involved. Uh, Charlotte Dennett, whose father was working over in the region at this time and had just been killed a couple years earlier, right? You know, dealing with these these particular areas and issues, uh, she believes that this was a CIA coup, and she went to Washington and had her father honored by um, Gina Haspel for being like essentially the first CIA fallen star or whatever they call it, even though it was really the CIG because it was right before the CIA got got created formally. But she believes in, uh, that this was a CIA coup and it was written about. Essentially, um, there's a coup led by uh, the chief of staff of the army, General Husni al-Zaim. And um, it, according to Douglas Little, who's a history professor at Clark University, this is one of the first covert actions that the CIA pulled off. There was a Time Magazine article about this in 2017 titled, U.S. Intervened in Syria in 1949. Here's what happened. Um, so this they, they intervene, and this this guy is eliminated, the Syrian president, Shukri el-Kawatli. Now, um, it seems to be that this is really the reason why. So if you can read this, on March, this is from uh, Wikipedia. So this is the very, you know, this is essentially right from the CIA, <laughs> more or less. Uh, on March 30th, 1949, so this is like what's de not deniable. This is like, I think, a key here. March 30th, 1949, Alzheimer's uh, seized power in a bloodless coup d'etat. There are highly controversial allegations that the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency engineered the coup. Most of the evidence currently available suggests that the decision to initiate a coup was Zayim's alone, but Zayim benefited from some degree of American assistance in planning the operation. This part is the key. Four days after the coup that overthrew democratic rule, the Syrian government ratified the controversial Trans-Arabian Pipeline deal. And there you see this. So this was the huge deal with, um, you know, oil from the Middle East, Iraq, and from uh, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, you know, places where they still get oil today, the, the tap line that was uh, a huge part of U.S. foreign policy. And so he's removed. And then a, a few days later, they, they ratify this very controversial pipeline deal. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like Nord, the Nord Stream pipelines being blown up. A few hours later, 
they opened the Baltic Sea Pipeline between Poland and Norway. And obviously, I mean, just a coincidence, N nothing to see there. No one was involved. It was it was an accident. It was pro-Ukrainian groups. It well, was they only say that afterwards. They only say that afterwards. <laughs> it was Ukrainian oligarch who left his passport in the in the ocean in the sea after blowing up the pipelines. Yeah, this, this, those passports will survive anything. Um, but if if we get back to this to the 1961 coup, so this is why Nasser has plenty of reason to be suspicious of the CIA in being involved in Syria because they basically affected a coup in 1949. Um, even Wikipedia more or less hints at it very strongly and denies it. But of course, you know, we know how, to how seriously to take that. Uh, the U.S. ambassador tried to assure Nasser that the U.S. was not involved in this 1961 coup. And JFK actually tries to help. He refuses to recognize the new government in Syria until Nasser was ready for this to happen. And secondly, he requested more aid and a large loan to Egypt to cushion the impact of the split. So... This could be read any number of ways, but at least it shows that JFK was conciliatory towards uh, Nasser at this time. So how did that relatively constructive relationship between JFK and Nasser start to break down as a result of the 1962 conflict that broke out in Yemen? Well, in 1962, you had the royals who were running the country overthrown by a Republican you know, nationalist force. And uh, this was this happens in 1962. Uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia supported the royals in this, as you might guess, one royal family supporting another. Um, but Nasser supported the secular Republican nationalist forces and sent in ground troops. Uh, and whereas the royalists were backed by Jordan, England, and Israel. Um, Kennedy, though, defying a specific request from Britain, he declared support for Nasser and for turning Yemen into a republic. So this is a, another example of Kennedy forsaking, to some degree, a European ally to forge a bond with a, a third world leader. He had done similar things, uh, or third world nationalist movement. He had done similar things in Algeria, with Indochina, Indonesia, Congo. Uh, meanwhile. Saudi Arabia and its Western friends, of whom there were many in high places, uh, they wanted to drive a wedge between Kennedy and uh, Nasser, Nasser, who they really hated. Uh, they had no intention of seeking a truce or, or a peace settlement in this. The British Prime Minister, Harold Macmillan, and uh, Golda Meir, who was the foreign minister of Israel at the time, tried to get Kennedy to withdraw support for Nasser in Yemen. JFK uh, sends Ellsworth Bunker, who we've already talked about as negotiating, you know, the, the return or the handover of um, New Guinea to uh, Western New Guinea to Indonesia. Ellsworth Bunker is sent. He's an establishment guy, but someone that Kennedy trusts to work on these areas. Um, he sent him to start these negotiations. Bunker had a letter from JFK for Nasser uh, reminding Nasser that Kennedy had withstood much to back him. And uh, a whole lot was now on the line. Kennedy was frustrated, I think, by the failure to uh, arrive at a truce through uh, Bunker, because Bunker isn't able to be successful, or through the UN. So in this conflict, JFK, under pressure from Israel, Britain, Saudi Arabia, Seven Sisters, you know, the Rockefeller orbit, uh, he basically caves on this. 
Uh, and he tells his guy, Robert Comer of the NSC, the National Security Council, the guy in charge of the Middle East on the National Security Council, a Kennedy guy. He said it was because of the big oil investments we had there. So there was this fear that Yemen could spark a kind of Nasserist revolt against the Saudi monarchy and that this would threaten Aramco's control of the big uh, Darin oil, oil field. And uh, so the, Kennedy did not stick with Nasser. Nasser through this did not support the um, Republican forces in Yemen. This was, uh, I think, a political calculation, like every choice presidents have to make. And uh, his, his, so while he supported Nasser, he ultimately um, would not uh, go against all these other, these other forces. So uh, additionally, he sends to prevent any uprising like this from taking place in Saudi Arabia, the U.S. in April of 63, 1963 sends uh, uh, eight big fighter bombers and a, a certain number of military advisors that are unknown to train Saudi, Saudi officers in aerial combat and counterinsurgency and such. So Kennedy was going to defend, as, as president, was going to defend Saudi Arabia, which is, uh, you know, not so great in retrospect when you look at what Saudi Arabia is. However, this was the biggest material prize in human history, or, or one of them at, at the very least, if not the biggest. I mean, Indonesia, which is also up for grabs at this time, is really something. But this was a, a huge uh, treasure that the U.S. had acquired really under Roosevelt. And um, it's when you consider the timing and the situation at, at, at the moment that Kennedy was dealing with, it's not surprising that he would not he would he would back down on this issue that was just an excerpt from the american exception podcast to hear the whole episode as well as archived and new episodes please subscribe to the american exception podcast at patreon there's a link in the show notes or you can just go to patreon.com slash american exception subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the u.s empire